Hey gang, welcome to another episode of Value Added, the real estate podcast. On this week's episode, we're chatting with Jorge Abreu. Jorge is the founder of Dallas, Texas-based Elevate Commercial Investment Group. He also owns a construction company called JNT Construction that focuses on helping multifamily investors with their full gut renovations and rehabs. Not only does he own about 1,700 units as a general partner, he also is a limited partner or passive investor in approximately 1,400 units, totaling his entire portfolio of about 3,100 units. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to Value Added, the real estate podcast where we speak with the brightest minds in the world of real estate who provide, create, and realize value in an ever-changing market. And now your host, Nick Walters. Jorge Bria, thanks so much for, uh, for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So uh, yeah, tell the listeners about uh, your uh, your work experience and your career leading up to this point. Yeah, to this. Uh, so it started um, back in college. I was studying to be an electrical engineer, and um, I felt like I had a passion to to do something outside of engineering. Um, and that turned out to be real estate. I did a lot of uh, research into individuals that had a lot of success in their careers. And um, a lot of it came back to at some point they invested in real estate and, and made some pretty good money. So I started looking into, um, you know, how to get started with investing in real estate. And um, that led me down the path of getting my, my, my broker's license and um, mortgage broker and, and real estate did that for a little bit, but the end plan was always to invest. Um, so I finally got a coach to really help and push me along into, um, starting my, my first investment and, and continuing to grow. Um, finally started doing enough deals where at that point I, I had a W2, um, I was working in the engineering department at UPS. So I finally started doing enough deals in the real estate investing and quit my W-2. That was about 15 years ago. Um, did a ton of wholesales, a ton of fix and flips. Ended up opening a construction company. Um, that was about 11 years ago to, to scale the fix and flips. Then started doing some new development. Um, and then about three, three and a half years ago, um, kind of looked back at what I had done, what I had built, and I wasn't quite satisfied. It wasn't really what I had set out to do. Um, and that's when I started looking more into, into multifamily and um, I was, my eyes were open to the world of syndication and taking down these large multifamily properties, which... I did not know existed before as far as a syndication and how that worked. Um, you know, I thought it was just really, really wealthy individuals buying these large apartment complexes or, you know, large groups. Um, and I really found my passion there in, in multifamily. And, um, 
that's what I've been doing for the past uh, three plus years. Um, I now have 1,720 doors under management. Um, got another 264 under contract now that we're working on on closing and um, trying to hit 10,000 as soon as possible and continue to grow. That's great. Now, uh, if if I'm doing the back of the napkin math, uh, 15 years ago when you started, you were you know you were you started right around the peak. Is this 2005, 2006 when you started your uh, your fix and flip business? That's correct. Okay, and and you you mentioned uh, three years ago you you mentioned that you weren't you got to a point you just you realized you weren't really satisfied with what you were doing. Why why do you say that? Um, it was it was very transactional. Um. You know, I, I wanted to scale. Um, I did scale. You know, we were doing up to maybe 50 fix and flips per year plus a ton of wholesales. Um, but it was from one deal to the next. You know, I wasn't doing many. We did some holds. Um, I did some smaller multifamily properties that, that we held on to. I ended up getting rid of those. I didn't wasn't a huge fan of the property management side of it. And without the scale, there really wasn't room to hire a third party. Didn't make sense. Um, so I was very tied to what I was doing. Uh, you know, to take a vacation was, was impossible. Um, and if I did, I was on the phone 24 seven. Um, so I knew I needed to make some changes. You know, I, I made changes on, on with the construction company as well. And, um, it's, been able to to free up my time and and let me focus on what I what I'm really passionate about. So the steps you've taken to scale, uh, you've gone to almost two, you've gotten to almost two thousand units in let's call it three years, right? Uh, since you started um, investing in larger multifamily deals, uh, what are what are some of the steps that you've taken to to scale your business? Has it been personnel? Has it been processes, systems? Walk me through the steps you've taken thus far to, to scale that multifamily business. Yeah, I mean, the, the two main things are the things you just mentioned. You know, one is, is having a team, um, leveraging that team, relying on that team. And then whenever there's a process within the company and we don't have a set system for that, um, I take the time to, to make sure that we create that. And that way we don't continue to have to reinvent or, or um, we're just more efficient. Mm -hmm. So you want to acquire another, call it 8,000 units in in the next year or two. Uh, The, the processes and systems that you've, that you've put in place over the last couple of years uh, is, is that enough to, to uh, keep that train going towards, towards 10,000 units? Or uh, are there other things that you need to either put in place or refine to get to that number? Um, no, there's room to, to improve for sure. Um, you know, as we speak, I'm, I'm working on tweaking our, our acquisition um, systems and processes um, to be able to go through some of these deals quicker um, kind of weed through the garbage and, you know, start focusing on, on the ones that can actually be deals. 
And how are you, how are you weeding through those deals quicker? Um, do you have somebody in place that's doing your underwriting that can, you know, give you an answer in, in, you know, a couple hours or uh, what, what have you, what have you put in place to be able to underwrite those deals uh, quicker? We've got some high level underwriting that, that we use, um, which can give us an answer within maybe 15 minutes of, of going through basic information. Um, now this isn't going to give us, you know, exactly if it's a deal or not, but it's, it's, it's going to let us know if we should focus more time on it. Um, and then, so we have that process already, but kind of taking it to the next step to where when we start digging into um, the more detailed underwriting, uh, where a lot of that information kind of dumps into um, our detailed spreadsheet and um, and just makes the process from beginning to end a lot smoother. Mm -hmm. The deals that you are coming across, whether they turn out to be deals or not, uh, where are you sourcing these deals? Are these uh, brokerage relationships that you have in the respective markets that you're working in? Um, are these, uh, is this outreach with, uh, that you have somebody in place who is, is cold calling, you know, potential sellers? Uh, how are you finding your, uh, your deals that, uh, that you're coming across? Yeah, um, both of the things that you mentioned, it's it's mainly in the beginning, it was it was more cold calling. We did some mail ads as well. Um, we kind of took what was working on the single family and brought it over to the multifamily. We felt there wasn't a lot of that being done in the multifamily. Uh, we had success with it. And then as we started gaining the, the, the traction and building those relationships with the brokers, we kind of went away from that. But um, we're starting to go back that route and just having both there. Mm -hmm. Having a, a construction company as your uh, outside of your investment business, as your, your core business uh, a, as a fellow investor myself, uh, I think one of the, one of the most important components, especially if you're a value add investor is finding that right, uh, that right uh, construction, that right general contractor to put in place to be able to execute your uh, CapEx program, your renovation program. Having your construction business in place, uh, I'm sure that that's, uh, that, that's certainly, that presents a, a value add to your general partners and your passive investors. Uh, is that accurate? That's 100% accurate. Um, you know, we have a lot of our passive investors feel very comfortable. The fact that we have that in-house and then um, our co-GPs on the deal, if, if we have any, also, you know, like the fact that, hey, we're not going to get um, screwed over by the contractor or, you know, we have somebody that's competent that that understands what needs to be done with with the CapEx and the property. Um, so it's, it's definitely a, a plus. Your construction firm, do you uh, do projects outside of the, the projects that you currently sponsor? Um, do, do you do third-party construction? We do. We okay. do. Um, you know, we're, we're very specific of who we, who we want to work with. And um, so, yeah, I mean. And th those 
those projects that you that, that you are the 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 general contractor of record um, are these are these clients that uh, you do you invest in these projects as well as a in a in a limited partnership capacity um, are you solely the general contractor of record um, how do you do you structure those deals further than just being the the GC on the project yes a hundred percent I do um, I've invested passively in several of them um, working on something now where um, we may be investing passively almost on every deal that that we do the construction work on um, haven't quite worked out the kinks yet but it's it's part of our plan so we do want to we're looking to build long, long-term relationships. We're looking for investors that want to scale. And if they don't have to worry about the CapEx and we come in and take care of it, you know, that helps them um, worry about the next property. Um, so that's the plan. So I'm, I'm just going through your bio here. Um, like you, you said, you have about 1,700 units uh, under management as a general partner. and But you also have... I think I read about 1,400 units um, under management as a limited partner. Um, what came first in that in that portfolio of call it 3,100 units? What came first? Were were you were you a, a general contractor that invested passively in uh, in in some units, or uh, or did it come reverse? How uh, you know how, how do you how do you come to amass 3,100 units? Um, you know, pretty much half and half uh, LP and GP. It, it it happened simultaneously in a sense. Um, you know, I decided I wanted to do the active side. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to also invest passively more to, to get that experience and know how to um, deliver good service. Once I had my own investors, if that makes sense, I wanted to go through the process and kind of experience it. That's how it started. And then, you know, after I, I saw the, the tax benefits, um, then it just became like, okay, well, I, I need to be doing this every year and um, in several deals. So, um, and then it kind of just made sense to, okay, well, let me, let me do it in the deals that we're doing the construction work on. You know, I, I'm, I don't feel comfortable that that's going to get done right. Um, and it's kind of taken off from there. So what did you learn being a passive investor in projects? What did, what did you learn from that process on how to make the, how to make your limited partners in your projects that you controlled comfortable about the process? Um, I learned some ways to, to stand out, you know, things that, that other investors weren't doing that I thought I could bring um, and make the, the investor feel more, more like they're part of the deal. Um, like what? So for instance, any, any investor that, that invests with, with us, they, they'll receive a hard binder like this and it'll detail the property or have dividers within um, with all the information about the property. So they'll get this in the mail, you know, right after, um, we close. So gives them something hard, something they can feel. Uh, we'll do a, 
a property tour, invite all the investors um, to tour the property before we really get started so they can you know, see it with their own eyes. Um, we'll follow that up with another property tour once we've completed a good portion of the CapEx so they can see where their money pretty much has gone. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, the, the updates and, and some other things that we haven't quite implemented yet that we want to um, get started. For instance, what? What do you uh, what do you have on what do you have on the docket? Giving all my secrets away, man. No. Hey, you don't. I, I have to. I I have to ask the follow up questions. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um g- generally speaking, I mean, uh, you know, what 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 are um, you know, I I really like to I really like to hear, um, you know, ra- rarely do do general partners also have a as big a limited partnership interest in, um in, in projects. So, you know, you've, you've played a, you've played a large role, large role in not only deploying your, your capital into, into projects that you're not in control of, um, being a passive investor, but at the same time, you're, you've amassed a, an equal, an equal, uh, you know, size portfolio in, in, uh, in projects that you do control as a general partner. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I'm very intrigued by that. And yeah. not only that, but you also have a, a construction company where you're also able to, to leverage that component of your business. So I'm just intrigued by, you know, what you've learned as a, as a passive investor that you're, you're rolling over into your, uh, the projects that, that hopefully could attract even more capital based on your, your experiences as a passive investor. For sure. For sure. And I'm, I'm an open book. I'm, I'm just messing with you. As far as that. <laughs> um, hey, that's, that's good. I don't mind it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, w- one of the things is uh, we've noticed that. So not all passive investors, but some passive investors eventually want to be active or at least uh, have a couple deals that they're active in. So just offering, um, the limited partner investors a chance to get more active if they want to within the deal. And that's just, you know, giving them maybe some conference calls that we can get on and kind of go over what we've done instead of just your, your regular monthly or quarterly email update. Um, maybe even jump on a asset management call. Um, haven't quite worked it all out, but that's, the idea, you know, give, give them more of the active side of, of things. Um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, I, I do know some investors that will uh, cut a check and, you know, they, they may or may not even pull up their, you know, the, the monthly, the monthly emails or right, they, right. they won't get on a, a, a monthly or quarterly webinar for the, you know, for the investor pool, you know, they'll, basically set it and forget it. Right. And they'll mm-hmm. collect their, their, you know, their quarterly dividends or their monthly, their monthly dividends. Um, but there, to your point, there are some investors out there that, um, want to play a little bit more of an active role where, um, they do want to do a site tour or they want to get on that weekly webinar or monthly webinar and, 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 you know, know exactly where you guys are in, in putting together the renovation plan. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can I can definitely respect both. Uh, as a, as a passive investor yourself, 
what kind of what kind of passive investor bucket do you fall into? The best kind, man. I'm I'm truly passive. <laughs> that, hey, that's uh, you, you know you, you said it and forget it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I when I invest passively in somebody else's deal, you know, other than if my con- construction company is doing the capex, and obviously I'm involved there, but um, other than that, I've got enough stuff on my active deals. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, tell me about the markets that you're involved in right now. Uh, right now we're, we're heavily involved in Houston. Um, we've got a property in, in, in Dallas. We're trying to get some more in Dallas, seeing if we can get some opportunities here. You know, the pricing is what kind of scared us away to begin with. Um, Oklahoma, um, and, uh, Temple, which is by Temple, Waco. Texas. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and your, uh, your general contractor, uh, projects, um, that you're, you know, the third party, uh, third party projects are focused in the similar, similar markets, Texas, uh, Texas and Oklahoma. Is that accurate? That's accurate. That's accurate. We're, okay. um, We've got uh, full-time staff in Dallas and Houston, and then we've got uh, traveling crews and traveling project managers, and we can pretty much cover all of Texas, all of Oklahoma, and depending on the size of the project, I mean, we're willing to go elsewhere. You uh, you grew up in Miami. You're a Miami native. Uh, any correct. any chances of uh, of going back into that market? <sighs> no, <Nah>, man. <laughs> um, I don't think so. You know, uh, construction in, in, in Florida's tough one. Um, and then two, the economy in South Florida just scares me. Well, cause you've, I, you've experienced both, uh, the high highs and the low lows, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, you know, it's very, it's very hard. It's very hard to, to rule South Florida out, especially me being a New Yorker. Um, and seeing the growth in those markets in mm-hmm. Florida in general, Atlanta, the Carolinas, um, I mean, not just coronavirus related, but, uh, you know, the, the overall trend in population growth is definitely going in that route. You yeah. can also, you can also, you know, you know, roll in Texas, uh, in other parts of the South and Southwest into that bucket. But, um, you know the yeah. the warmer weather states are are certainly attracting more uh, more population these days. Yeah, and I guess I should say South Florida scares me. There, there's parts of Florida I like, and I'm sure we'll we'll end up uh, owning some properties there. But I don't know about South Florida. Gotcha. Um, any uh, are are you passively invested in uh, in other markets other than uh, Texas and Oklahoma? Uh, Georgia. Actually, yeah, two two properties in in Atlanta. Um, I think that's it. Right. The rest is in Texas. Yeah, cool. Um, listen, I really appreciate the time. We're going to uh, we're going to conclude this episode with the hard hitting questions. These are the the four or five questions that I ask every one of our listeners. Uh, first question is always, "What is your why, Jorge?" What is my why? My why is uh, my family. You know, I've got uh, three little girls. They're seven, five, and four. Um, got a beautiful wife that's been with me through 
this entire journey. And um, that's my why, you know, to give them um, the best possible life that I can. Besides your alarm clock, what gets you out of bed every morning? <laughs> my why? Is that cheating? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, is there a, uh, is there a recent book or a podcast, uh, that you've read or listened to that is, has significantly affected your life or career? Um, you know, the, I read a lot, man. So I'm trying to think of one, uh, go back to, to traction. I mean, I, I read it a while ago and then, um, began to implement the EOS system in, in my businesses and, and kind of, kind of fell off for a little bit. So read it again and working on it again. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I forget who I've never read that. Um, who, do you know the author off the top of your head tra of traction? Do you know Wickman? There you go. There it is <laughs> right behind you. Yep. Uh, I'll make sure I add that to our, uh, to our notes. Um, also, you know, Knowing what you know now, uh, what would you what what uh, what's the best piece of advice you would give your twenty one or twenty two year old college graduate self? Um, skip the single family and go straight to multifamily. <laughs> Scale right off the bat, right? Yeah. Uh, finally, how can our listeners learn a little bit more about you or or get a hold of you? Uh, they can check out my website elevatecig.com. Um, there's a free ebook on there talks about the benefits of multifamily. And then if they want to shoot me an email at George or however you want to say it, J O R G E at elevate um, mention this podcast and I can send them over. I've got a due diligence checklist, uh, questions to ask a sponsor before investing passively and a couple other checklists I can send over their way. That's awesome. Uh, Jorge, George, uh, we really appreciate the time. Uh, always grateful for, uh, for dedicating 30 minutes to this. And uh, thanks for adding your value today. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave a rating and a review, which will help us introduce the podcast to other listeners. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel which will give you access to other episodes you may have missed. Lastly, if you'd like to learn more about investing alongside us, then head on over to valueaddedpodcast.com. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week.